This is Global Marxism. I am Frank Goss. I appreciate your participation and hope this information provides you with food for thought as we consider the confusion we're facing in America today. Most of us have no idea what Marxism actually is. We need to define terms, not according to our opinions, but based on proven fact. Our politicians are telling us, you're as free as we say you are. Now, how can this even be possible? Let's back up and consider our history. Let's look and see what is meant when Barack Obama said that he wanted to fundamentally change America. Let's see if these things are indeed remotely possible. My desire to understand history is based on my desire to know the ideas presented that lead to certain actions. Now, you may say that I'm interested primarily in philosophy, but that would not truly be accurate. Philosophy without action is nothing more than puffed up egos blowing off a lot of nonsense. These words are empty and useless if there is no action behind them. One of the problems I find with written history is easily apparent. It's when the author enters his research with a fixed disposition. That means he has his opinion already established regarding the event or the individual. And he writes to support his preconceived thesis. Few authors are fair and objective in presenting their views on history. So consequently, you have to be selective on what you read and what you consider. It's true, the knife cuts both ways. We don't want to read particular authors because they don't support what we believe. So, the knife cuts both ways. It's hard to be objective. If you're conservative and reserved, your historical research will tend to lead you to certain authors. You'll agree with me, because I am conservative and reserved in my views. I'm a Burkonian, I guess you would say. We have an established bias in the way that we think. Now, if you're radically liberal, you won't appreciate Alexander Solzhenitsyn, or his writing on the Gulag Archipelago, or the Red Wheel. Edmund Burke won't be among your favorites, because these contradict your opinion and your position, and they insult your intelligence. We all profess to be sincere seekers of truth, but we soon discover that it's our truth that we're seeking to support. And we tend to read history not to learn, but to prove and support our position. It's very difficult to be objective in reading and coming to conclusions. A conservative will naturally see all the errors made during the Johnson administration, while the liberal will quickly point out all of the foibles in the lies of the Reagan administration. Let me give you an example, and I'm picking on my own. David Barton is a very conservative individual. He's a Christian man with strong principles, and I do appreciate the work that he's doing. He's an author of many books and the founder of Wall Builders LLC, which is an organization that promotes what Mr. Barton sees as the accurate religious history of the United States and her founding. Personally, I have no particular like or dislike regarding his writings. I'd prefer to say that I support his views wholeheartedly, but with all due respect, I cannot. I have read a variety of biographies regarding our founding fathers over time, and I believe many were noble and good men with a true vision that was founded in solid principle. But not were all devout Christian men. I believe the majority, with the exception of maybe two, were Protestant men. By biblical standards, though, many were not Christian at all. Martin fights to present all of these men as godly men with pure Christian principles and sincere godly motives. 
That simply is not true. There were many deists who held religious views regarding God. John Locke, I believe, was a good man, a Christian man with solid Christian principles. And these were men of renowned intellectual capacity and extreme devotion. But their religious notions veered far from biblical teaching. Among the founders, you'd find that all but two, as I mentioned, were Protestants. Some were Presbyterian, others were Quakers, others were Dutch Reformed, and many were Anglican. Though still cloaked in their religious sensibility, some denied the deity of Christ, which is the core doctrine of the Christian faith, John Adams being such a man. Martin does his very best to tell me that I'm misinterpreting John Adams and that America was founded by Christian men as a Christian nation. Consider Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who is relied upon a great deal as one of the keener minds in establishing the fundamental principles that we base the Constitution upon. He did not find Christianity to be a good fit for a burgeoning nation. He felt it caused too much division. He was seeking to build a social contract among a very diverse population. Essentially, he felt the doctrine divides people. He pushed for a more secular, humanistic position. So he had that influence coming in to the thought behind America and the idea. He held to the idea that human nature was essentially good and did believe that man was created in the image of God, but he honestly felt that these issues were not essential. Martin goes to great lengths in seeking to establish the fact that John Adams was indeed a Christian. Now, I would agree that Adams had a deep reverence for religion and a love for righteous acts. And reading his, his biographies, he was a devout individual that was committed to his church. Personally, I didn't know the man, obviously, nor could I. But I do know that he could not and would not accept the deity of Christ. Now, I do not believe the man was a deist, but when it comes to a true acceptance of the clear teachings of Scripture, Adams missed the essential teaching. Now, I believe you can be sincerely wrong in your religious views, though you can be a very religious individual. We can argue loudly and long on this matter if you wish, but the central idea of Scripture is that Jesus Christ, being God in flesh, came and died for my sins and now is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Adams could not believe that God would suffer at the hands of men. He wouldn't accept this idea or concept. Now, while Martin tends to make well-tailored arguments for his beliefs, I find historical fact leads me in a different direction. And I have to put his books back on the shelf with a real longing for what he says to be true. However, I believe he is pushing an agenda. And I believe he's sincere. Now, I've studied for quite some time trying to find support for his ideas only to come away shaking my head in disappointment. Christian values and principles were heavily relied upon. Indeed, that is true. 98% of the American public at the time of the Constitution were Protestants. Does this mean that they were all Christians? No. It means that they were all Protestants. And unbelievably, Protestants can be infected by very bad ideas. While the Bible was the top reference manual consulted in establishing the foundations of the United States, this does not tell us that any time that someone referred to a particular verse or a book in the Bible, they were definitely orthodox and committed to the Christian cause. John Jay, Patrick Henry, Samuel Adams, Roger Sherman, and John Witherspoon, all signatories of the Constitution, were clearly committed to Christ as evidenced by their personal writings and opinions which were expressed. 
To say that most were deists is improbable. There were a handful that held to deism. Thomas Jefferson, Ethan Allen, and Benjamin Franklin were included. And it would be difficult to think these men were not influenced by Christianity in significant ways, though. But wait, doesn't the preamble of the Declaration of Independence state, which was agreed upon by all these men, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men were created equal, that they were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, yeah, indeed. How do you deny that? It's in writing. It's enshrined. But how does that prove Martin's argument? Because it mentions creator? Deists tell to the idea of a creator. The Muslims hold to an idea of a creator. Other religions hold to the same idea. Does this mean that all who believe in a creator are therefore Christian? What about the devils in hell? They believe and they tremble. We can't approach history with the preconceived notion of what we want to see in the end. The America that we live in is a far, far cry from the America of the founders. Plymouth Rock was different from Jamestown. If people say we as a nation have left our moorings, we need to consider why they would say such a thing. They're thinking in the realm of ideas and philosophy. It's far more complicated than just offering an opinion. Unfounded opinions are just that, unfounded and baseless. Really, people are lazy when they arrive at opinions based on what they've been told, what they've heard, and what they feel. Most are driven by fleeting emotions, the pocketbook, the economy. Motivating ideas behind those who say America is falling are rarely researched or debated according to historical fact. Personally, I agree with the sentiment, but I can tell you why I feel the way I do according to the facts. Even in reading the Holy Bible as history, we walk away shaking our heads as to the character of many of the people and the political chaos of the times. Peter was a real character. James and John were aggressive and strong. Jonah had his ways and actually moved with a lack of faith and trust. David, King David, the vaunted King David, he murdered and committed adultery. The early church was filled with turmoil, with people within acting in shocking ways. Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead for lying. One man was having sexual relations with his father's wife. More than likely, it was his stepmother. And as you read, your head begins to spin. People begin to contradict what the Bible has to say. But they don't understand what it means. The Bible deals with reality as it is, not as we wish it would be. We often approach the Bible with the notion of what we think it should say. And we neglect the fact that evil lurks in the heart of man. And there are principles presented that confront these issues. Read history and you will find that evil lurks in the heart of man. And if you are searching for truth with sincerity, you will discover that there are moral principles given that address the evil of man. Spiritual principles that reach across every spectrum of politics. And as you study history, hopefully you'll notice that people throughout recorded history, the Bible included, are all the same. We all have the same longing. Most of us have simple desires and wish to be left alone. Just let us live freely as we wish to live. Then there are those who seek for power and position. They lust for these things. They, they are driven to seek places of dominance and authority. Why? What makes them think they have that right? I don't know. Why don't we read and find out and discover? If we refuse to read and study, we will, by choice and determination fail to see and understand reality 
and thus we will fail to learn practical, applicable principles that should build us up and form our character. We relax in our ignorance. We do that, we'll be destroyed due to our willful ignorance. The lazy man is always being led about. He never leads. The biggest problem we do have as a nation is found in our educational process, I believe. Our schools and our churches have been intentionally and purposely turned from practical and fundamental truths. Also, we don't read history, and we reject knowledge. And God has given us knowledge, but we reject Instead, we embrace the cooperative, the collective idea. We have a herd mentality. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've accepted the lies that have been forced upon us. And now we're starting to see. Now we're beginning to understand. The institution we have trusted for centuries is actually moving us in the wrong direction. They don't have our interest at heart. They don't have our nation at heart. They have an agenda and an idea. An idea that runs counter to the idea of the United States. They don't have freedom in mind. I say we're seeing these things now. I must define what I'm saying. Some people are beginning to see these things. The majority of Americans have not read the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. Most students in the public schools cannot tell you where to find the Bill of Rights. And many pseudo-activists fight for freedom of speech, the First Amendment right established in the Constitution, and they don't have any idea what it really says. What about the 14th Amendment? What is the Establishment Clause, and where is that found? 99% of us don't even know. We're willfully ignorant. We reject knowledge. We understand we got to work and we got to pay bills, but we do reject knowledge. Yes, we do. We are intellectually lazy, and those who realize this are taking great advantage of our laziness. It's their ideas that are controlling the schools and the churches, the television, print, and radio. They are teaching us that snow is black, that men can get pregnant, and women can have a wife. They are telling us that the color of your skin determines your worth to society and the size of your paycheck determines your real value. How are they doing this? Why are they doing this? What they're doing, really, right now, while we sleep, they're reading and revising history. They're muddling the facts and misrepresenting the truth. Reagan was right when he said that these kind know so much about many things that are simply not true. We do not know what historical facts are, so we, through ignorance, trust the wrong people. We know what time we need to be at the factory, though. We know that we have the bills to pay, and we know we have families to feed. And this is about the extent of what we know and truly care about. It's not until the problems come knocking on your door that what is going on concerns you. Fuel to heat the house doubles. Gas in the tank costs nearly 50% more. A loaf of bread is $3, and a head of lettuce is $4. We don't understand why our factory is forced to shut down, but we do know that now we're out of work, and we're being pushed more and more towards a true reliance upon the government for our daily needs. Most don't recognize this or realize this, but the U.S. government spends nearly twice as much money to see that this happens. They spend twice as much money on corporate subsidies than is spent on traditional social welfare programs. It tells you where their true concern lies. This kind of eliminates the concept of the welfare queen sitting on her stack of Velveeta cheese and demanding her free milk for all those welfare babies running around her feet. The public attention has been focused on that rather than the corporate welfare queens. Didn't realize that, did you? But you know what? Nobody is hiding these facts. These are all out in the open, 
You can look in the libraries and you can find all the information you want to find. A government subsidy is, by definition, when you or a corporate entity receives any amount of money, service, or goods without being required to render any service or product in return. So essentially, you get money or goods from the government at no cost to you. It's free money. Pretty simple. Corporations argue that they're stimulating the economy and thus creating jobs and thus returning to the government a service. Facebook, for an example, has a market cap valued at over $960 billion. They receive tremendous amounts of government subsidy. All these facts are available for you to consider, and I'll repeat this several times. These are not my conclusions. These are things that I've read, things are available to see, and you can look at them yourself. Corporations are demanding subsidies that you and I cannot even begin to consider. Their CEOs are having to struggle this particular holiday season due to their bonus dropping to $14 million instead of their usual $21 million. Imagine the chagrin on their kids' faces when they understand they don't get to fly to Bermuda this winter or they don't get their new Lamborghini that they were hoping for. Facebook, as I was mentioning before, receives billions of dollars annually in government subsidies, as does Tesla, Twitter, Google, and other large corporations. And when we hear this, we don't believe it. We shake our heads in disbelief. We just, no, that's, that's a conservative's gripe. It can't be true. Then we find out the facts, and we raise our heads in anger. But it's too late. Rather than acting to make things better, we're stirred like a herd of cattle, and we're ready to stampede. And as a crowd, we all run in the same direction, but we have no real knowledge as to what has happened to cause these things to get so bad. We get excited. We get frightened. Why? These things are wrong. They're bad. They're unfair and unjustified. A great deal of corruption is involved. We know instinctively these things to be true. But we don't have the solidity of the facts supporting us. We do know that we're paying for all this. Facebook in 2020 financed the recent overthrow of the presidential election, providing over $420 million to assist the Democrat socialists in their efforts, when both candidates raised almost about $450 million. Socialistic government gets a strong embrace from corporate America. And take note of this. When corporations and governments merge, you get a fascist state. Ask Benito Mussolini. The Marxists accuse the conservatives of fascism constantly. Trump was continually accused of fascism while the Marxist Democrats were working their magic with corporate America. They are, in fact, the fascists. These facts are all available. You can fight and argue and deny all you want, but the facts are the facts. These are the guys in control of both the House of Representatives and the Senate as well as the White House. Listen carefully and hear me. There's nothing new under the sun. There are no ideas, no new concepts, and really no new problems. We're not confronting some startling new phenomena in our nation that other nations have not experienced at some time during their history. But ours, well, these problems are, are so profound and rooted so deeply, we can never really change. Well, to some degree that may be true. But Rome was well established and well run for centuries. Eventually, it was overrun with homosexuality, promiscuity, perversions of every sort, political corruption that involved murder and mayhem, financial ruin, cover-ups, and religious persecutions that we've never seen or experienced. The Roman state embraced the corporate provisions and created a powerful fascist state. 
the people eventually became lazy and sickened by the constant fraud and corruption, and Rome fell to the Viscos. And while Rome did not disappear, it was marginalized, neutralized, and effectively neutered. A nation that once ruled the world was so corrupted from the inside that they reached the point that they could not defend themselves against a much weaker enemy. They fell. Venezuela was a very prosperous nation just 20 years ago. Today, families have to sacrifice their pets for food. They have no medicine for the sick, no fuel to heat their homes, and as a nation, they're financially bankrupt. As to religion, try to start a street ministry in Caracas and see how well your ministry goes. These truths have been available for you to read. These facts are open to the public. People don't talk about these things on ESPN or on Lifetime TV. Hallmark does not make movies about these things. The media in America is bent on deceiving and obfuscating. They want to divert our attention and make us comfortable. Politicians are spending money they don't have, but are demanding that you pay up, either through taxation or a vicarious means of getting your money, inflation. These aren't new tactics. They're bad and they're devious. That's true. But what are the ideas behind these actions? What are the intentions that are motivating our politicians? Well, read history. See what motivated Maximilien Robespierre or Machiavelli. See why Lenin did what he did in the Soviet Union and why John Dewey was so impressed with what he had done. Were the people truly helped by this sort of leadership? Read history and find out. Don't take my word for it. Look and learn. If you can read, you have the exact same opportunity I have. Public libraries are open, and they have copious documents and reams of information for you to consider. Take note of these things. Historical ideas have historical consequences. Life and reality extend further than your street address. History revolves around your neighborhood, your community, your county, state, and nation. You ignore these things to your own detriment and the well-being of your family, community, and nation. Now you say you believe in God. What do you mean by that? Why are you never seen in church? When was the last time you read your Bible? Come on, begin to read. Take time to do the essentials, and you'll find out why Johnny can't read. This podcast is brought to you through Vintage Broadcasting. We appreciate your participation and hope that you continue with us in the days to come. Thank you very much.